I want to represent people in a good way, and I want our people to be like, that's our boy. By being true to myself, I will be uh, true to my people. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Co Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Uh, every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. These are policymakers, healers, artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, you name it. Uh, we talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with the community. And it all centers around this big point of purpose in our lives. And I can't wait to continue that mission today. That's right. So today, we are going to be talking with an awesome guest. I recently talked with him on another program a couple weeks ago. Um, But today, we're talking with Ruben Keto Stately. Ruben Keto Stately comes from both the Red Lake Nation and Santee Sioux Nation. He's a fourth-year student at Augsburg University. And he has formally studied the Dakota language for five years. And his bio says he dreams of a future where his language and people thrive. How lovely is that? And he is also a musician, a recording artist. And so I look forward to talking about that range, that wide range of topics mm-hmm. today. And here he is. Hey, Ruben. Who's you, Ruben? Hi. How's it going? Doing well. How are you all? Very good. Good. Could you please introduce yourself and uh, where you're joining us from? Yes, for sure. Hamidak Yepi, Ruben Amakiab, Gamaza Adidi Hemiye. How's it going, everyone? My name is uh, Ruben Keto Staley, and I'm a recording artist uh, from the Twin Cities. Awesome. And how how are you and you know your family doing uh, during the pandemic? Oh, during the pandemic, you know, uh, we kept our heads above water. I think, um, I think everybody kind of had uh, their own things that were difficult, but or whatever. But uh, I actually didn't see my dad a lot. He was a little bit. Uh, he took a lot of caution, you know, and so uh, it kind of sucked for me that I didn't see my dad too often. But I live with my mom, uh, and I and I stayed at her house during uh, the pandemic because I'm in college mm. and taking all my classes. How did college go over Zoom? Oh, it was absolutely terrible. Oh. <laughs> so, so, so to me, to me, like, like, so the way I like to tell people is like, like, let's say you're going to college, but you can't talk to your friends, you you can't see your friends, and uh, when you need help, you can't. It's it's inconvenient when you ask for it because it it's like you can't uh, drop in on them or anything. Like you'd have to schedule with them absolutely to make them come meet you. And I don't know, there's just so many things that. Uh, and then, like, you know, I like to read things uh, hard copy, so I like to print them. And if I'm at home, I can't, I don't have a printer, you know? It's like I, I, I had less access to things. So it's almost like let's go to college and all the best parts uh, are just stripped. Yeah. All the cool parts and all the most, like, uh, convenient parts are just stripped from you. So it's like mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of communication was uh, missing through the computer. You know, um, so if I'm being taught something and I feel like in a classroom, it's not awkward to raise your hand or ask a question, but on Zoom, it's very awkward to raise your hand or ask a question. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. So I want to ask you, we ask uh, our guests, like, what's on the top of your mind? 
what are you thinking about today? So today I actually got to perform at St. Paul Academy, which was really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So they, they have like a multicultural club there and it's uh, these students there that are uh, white and non-white. They wanted to do something for Indigenous Peoples Day and have a Native artist come speak or do do like a, uh, like, I don't know, ask them questions and then have just like an authentic Native voice in the room. And so uh, they curated questions to make sure that uh, they were like well thought out and stuff and that I had things that, um, and then they showed them to me beforehand and asked me what I'd be willing to talk about and whatever. But, um, you know, I, I had to, I had to talk about things that I don't know. I, I guess no one really asks or picks picks my brain about. And uh, it was like high schoolers and stuff. And it's really funny being in that space because uh, I went to a private school, so I'm at. I was so I went to this. I was a guest speaker at this private school, and I was like, ooh. And I remember being one of like like they reminded me a lot of my peers when I was there. Like just the way they joked with each other, the way they dressed and whatever, it was like eerily similar <laughs> to my experience at Breck. And my, my experience at Breck wasn't negative or overall and uh, anything like that. But I felt like um, I couldn't say things to my peers. So I had this weird feeling of like, and, I, and I'm, an, I'm an adult now and whatever, I've grown a lot. And so I, I think that I, I handled it well, but I was just thinking a lot about it uh, that I was in this space where like uh, that was similar to something I once knew. So like I think that for non non-native students, it's it's uh and sometimes like you know, like white students, it's hard for them in a private school setting or in that setting, uh it's hard for them to understand things. Uh like like I guess that they associate things that I would talk, talk about and they would think, oh, that must happen way over there in some other place. But I would like express through my music and whatever that no, I'm I'm someone who like went to a similar school like you and had like parallels with you, but, and, but, and I live very nearby, but I'm, I live in a different world because of how I'm treated within the project, you know, I guess. So being, being a young native man was different than that experience. Even if I went to private school, even if whatever, you know, so I don't know. It was, it was really cool though. You're listening to native lights where indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. We're speaking with Ruben Keto Stately, a fourth-year student at Augsburg University and Dakota language learner. He's also a musician known as Keto. So let's talk about music first. Can you tell us a bit about it? Um, Cole, I know you have uh, some questions here for him too. Yeah, I was, well, I mean, just getting started is just like when did your interest in music begin and when did it you know transfer to actually creating music um i was surrounded by music my whole life so when i was a little boy i i remember i don't remember this but i know that i was two weeks old when i went to my first powwow and uh i slept in uh we they camped and so like i know that i i heard my mom would talk about like i hear the drums just like a regular baby and just like pass out like fall asleep and I remember falling asleep to drums as a kid when uh we would be on the powwow trail and so uh there was like a really I think my parents like I'm really grateful they nurtured a really amazing headspace for like traditional native music but also like uh also like the native music that is like native folk music native rock music and whatever because like Buffy St. Marie 
was getting spun at the house. Uh, Jackie Bird and uh, um, Indigenous, this rock band from Milwaukee. Oh, I loved uh, Indigenous. All right, still do. Yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I still listen to them. And then, uh, oh, what's his name? He's from Pine Ridge, but uh, Buddy Redbow, that's his name. So, like, I don't know, just, like, they nurtured, like, a headspace of, like, I, but that was like my really young experience of like, I had a drum, my dad painted a drum for me at home. And so when I was a little boy, I would, I would, I would hit the drum and I would like freestyle a whole song and it was just like vocals or whatever. Like I remember doing that, but when I, but they also nurtured this idea that like native people make new music. So at that time or whatever, like Jackie Bird was singing like folk music or what people call it that, but it's like, she's think, she's playing a guitar and singing and and you know and then uh, uh the indigenous dudes like they're super dope and and i don't know it kind of like made me it shaped this idea in my head of like native art what makes native art native art and to me my very young experience and my very young look on it was that if it came from a native person it it's native art inherently like that's what it is so um, it didn't. It didn't become weird when I when I got to a certain age. I think I was like seven years old when I, I was like listening to um, Akon. Yeah. I think that he's actually a slept on artist because he's a <laughs> producer, singer, like he's a vocalist and he's a rapper. Mm-hmm. So, for for when I was that age, he was the one that was really uh, doing a lot of things. And I remember uh, that's the first album I ever got, twelve song album, and I listened to it front to back. Totally not appropriate for a seven-year-old, but I was like, I was like, dang! Like, I love the production. I love like sonically. I loved it. I loved like the way he could sing, and then he could rap, and then like, um, I liked how hip hop made you feel. Like, I feel like hip hop is really cool because it can like just empower you. It makes you feel like I don't know, but that's like music. Music. Everyone draws it from something, you know. So or some type of music. So like, I don't know. I I just liked how I felt. So. That is when I got really into hip hop and I, I researched hip hop, I listened to hip hop and I got really into um, East Coast hip hop and I started writing when I was 11. So 11 to now is just writing. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> we do have those conversations too on, on Native Lights about, you know, what is Native arts, Native music. Mm, yeah. You know, it, it might not have that like, like what, what who, do, who gets to define from the outside, you know, what it is. Um, mm. Because sometimes there's an expectation, uh, like an outside expectation of what Native music should sound like. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any themes to your music that you like to address any certain subject matter? If I think about themes, I think that uh, what I try to do, like an overall goal, is that I want to be relatable. And I also was talking about something very young, I was taught by a uh, this guy. He taught a class, and it was called uh, writing techniques. And he his name was Toki Wright, and so he was a um, black lyricist in hip hop. And so he taught this class, and when he was talking to us, he said, "Write. I want. I'm going to give you this protected writing time. Blah blah blah. Listen to this beat." So we all chose a beat, like me and these other teenagers. And he, and he said, he said, "Write something that's real, true. Doesn't doesn't matter what it is." talk about your life, something that is real to you. So we all sat there and we all wrote something and, and like it, 
was like people from way different walks of life talking about their life and and everyone was like dang like no matter who it was like if it was like this i don't know like they were just like they, everyone was uh in, captivated by what they said and so what he was doing that for and the intention of what he was doing that for is he said no one can deny you if the things you say are real they can say they don't like it they can just like not listen to it but they will respect or like like he said like it will hit different it will always hit different if you are saying something that is real if it's real to you it's got to be real to someone else and that changed and shaped the artist that i was going to become and uh because if i talk like i don't know all the ways that i would get like worried and i'd be like oh is is, is someone going to think this song is dumb or whatever I, or like is someone going to criticize me or whatever i would remember i'd be like this is real to me this is going to be real to someone else and especially like the native experience like who is speaking for the native experience they're like you know who is like i don't know i just feel like uh who is validating us or like how do we validate ourselves how many chances do we get to like validate ourselves and i feel like a, a young native kid or like like i wish i had me and like I did have people like me, actually, I should say that. So so Chase Manhattan, like he he when he first came out, I remembered looking at him as a beacon of inspiration and someone that I was like, I want to be like that. But also I, it was like I was like, I want to excel and be like, I want to excel and make great music too. Like it just I don't know. Like to me, it's just like we need we need people doing stuff like that and whatever. But but yeah, I don't know. Themes themes about that is like is like I want to represent the people in a good way, and I want our people to be like that's our boy. Like that's that's kind of like what I've been. That's been my uh, like I don't know validating myself, but like knowing that it'll validate others um, by being true to myself. I will be uh, true to my people. Is kind of like how that goes. That's great because I feel like. I was kind of caught in a trap maybe at the beginning of the music career where you try to make things that are pleasing to other people or what might be popular or whatever. Like I started out as a blues guitar player, so I wanted to do a lot of blues, you know, cliche lyrics or whatever. Um, but once you start, you know, actually writing from your own experience and what is important to you, it, things start to click and you're actually more interested in it. So I definitely feel that a lot with what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't want to get I didn't want to get caught in the caught in the web, you know, and and also uh, native people are uh, just a different um, target audience. Native people are so awesome because like you can't BS them, you can't yeah. you can't lie to them, you can't you know they they know they they know when you're selling something that's like not real. So so it's just kind of like I got to give them the real deal. If I want a native fan base, I got to give them the real deal because they know. And that's what I've always trusted and known. Okay, Ruben, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about language. So you are a language learner. And I see that you've studied the Dakota language formally for five years. What does it mean for you to be a lifelong Dakota language learner? For me, being a Dakota language learner is about reclaiming. So there's so many things that we as indigenous people generally, but us as Dakota people, there's so much for us to reclaim. So there's uh, lost arts, you know, um, not totally lost because we still do it, but I'm saying like, like we don't have a word for art. So it's like, we used to make everything beautiful and everyone knew how to do it. So like, uh, you know, I, I always grew up being like, oh, they quill, they bead. 
and they do that and they make drums, but I don't do that. And so I, to me, like, but I've, I've just started, like, I just made my first drum, uh, a big one. And then I made like a hand drum and, um, I'm trying to make drumsticks now. Like, I don't know. It's just like, and then I've been making jewelry. I've been like, I made my first pair of earrings recently. And it's just like, you know, I used to think like, you know, like, oh, everyone else is that type of artist, but it's like, no, like us as people, like uh, to me, I, I feel like being indigenous should be like synonymous with like being excellent. Like we are great at everything that we put our mind to. It's like ridiculous. Like it's a, it's a thing that's like, it's, it's multinational. It's not just Dakota people and not just Ojibwe people or whatever. But I see that within us, like when our people want something like, and they go get it, like they really go get it and they figure it out and they learn it and they master it. So for me, the language is one of those things that that's my one contribution that I wanted to, to get as much as I can and then give back as much as I can and then pass away. For, for some people, it's inaccessible. For some people, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird how it all worked out through history, but all of a sudden, so so there was once a time where it was our language. Now there, and then there was a time when it wasn't allowed to be spoken or things like that. And then people were put in boarding school, and then now these schools, versions of the schools, are now colleges, and they're selling it back to us. And so it's like, and that's inaccessible to some of our people. Like, who could really go do that? It's not everyone, you know. So. So anyway, I, that's, that's one of my dreams is to make it accessible to the people, but, uh, it's just one part of our, of our livelihood. And it's one part of our, uh, the multitude of things that make our culture. Cause, cause there needs to be other people like, like, cause I don't know anything about Dakota star knowledge. The language helps me get one little foot in all these things, but it makes me learn so much about what I don't know. But yeah, so anyway, I think that, I think that being a Dakota language learner, it's about reclaiming. You know, we got to reclaim our narratives. We got to reclaim our stories. I reclaim, uh, I reclaim like a, a narrative. I feel like it's reclaiming narrative when me, Stan Jotty, Chase Manhattan, or any of these other native guys like rap. I think that we're telling an authentic story, a modern story of, of the indigenous experience. And, and, and so to me, it's like what we're doing is, is reclaiming the narrative. I'm kind of curious about your like language journey and just like, um, I did see that you said, you know, like people talk about decolonization and decolonization could be part of, you know, learning the language and mastering the language. You know, when did you first, uh, you know, believe that you were like getting fluent in Dakota and just like when did you have dreams in Dakota ever? Like, would you remember the first dream or something like that? Wow. <laughs> well, uh, I don't, I don't, first of all, I just don't consider myself fluent because, um, I feel like there's so much I have yet to learn, uh, but I have had one really crazy dream, not crazy because it's crazy, but crazy, like powerful dream. And uh, I felt like um, I felt like I was visited and they spoke Dakota only. Wow. And I was like, damn, I need to know what they're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> and uh, I felt like, uh, but I knew I knew enough and I understood enough to know I was being encouraged which is cool because I had done, made a decision and, you know, I, I was doing things in my life that it, it all aligned and I had this dream and, uh, and I knew exactly why it happened. So I, so uh, I don't know that, that was, that's an interesting question. And that's, I actually, I've never, no one's ever asked anything of me to make me tell that, but 
I think the time that I realized that I wanted to do better and really learn and go for it was when uh, I was in, I think that one really important part of language that people don't really talk about is having an ear for it. And having an ear for it in the sense that I heard Dakota my whole life in certain circumstances, male speakers, female speakers, and through context understood what they were saying and whatever. And then, uh, and then, uh, or I didn't know what they were saying, but I could hear how the language sounds and then learning it and, and speaking it a little bit when I was a kid. And as I got older, just more and more like, when I got to college and I first formally started speaking with uh, the teacher, like he said, cause that was the first time I saw the language written was in a college classroom. I had been talking and speaking and saying whatever, communicating thoughts and ideas. And I had never once thought about how it looks when you write it. I had like barely any like, skill with that but there was so much that I realized I was like I've never had to write that so the first day in class we were talking uh me and the teacher and he said oh my gosh that's that he's like well he was just saying like oh that's a good answer write that down for the homework assignment and I was like I've never seen those words before and he and so he wrote it on the board for me and I was just like like mind blown like really this is how we're gonna we all we decided we were gonna write it like this uh which is kind of a funny interesting thing but yeah then that i um i actually was a freshman in college and uh i wasn't really working hard yet i was still like 19 and uh interested in other things or like i was interested in my music which is not bad it's, it, it, was, it was good that i was doing it but i could have been doing better at dakota and i think that there was a time when i realized that um, if I really applied myself, I'd be really good at this. And then it kind of clicked, like I should invest more time in this. And this is, it, it developed a, like it's meaning to me developed. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, cause people told me my whole career, oh, you should be a teacher or you should um, do something with the language. And I always was like, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but I was like, not that. And I don't. I think the main reason was because I feel like when uh, you go to school and you didn't like your experience at school or how school made you feel, <laughs> you're like, you you're not gonna associate yourself with like, oh, I'm not gonna like go back into a setting like that. But you know, uh, Dakota is totally different and whatever. But I've I've accepted my fate that this is who I'm supposed to be, a Dakota language teacher. So you're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. We're speaking with Ruben Quito Stately, fourth year student at Augsburg University. Ruben Quito Stately comes from both the Red Lake Nation and Santee Sioux Nation and is a musician and recording artist. And I'm curious so, you're a language learner, musician, is there some overlap? Yeah, I think that, well, the language to me has always informed my sense of self. And I think that that's something that is essentially, I feel like that was robbed of our people knowing who you are. And when you're in, you know, the language gives us so much identity. And to me, like the language was like tree roots pulling my feet back to the earth being like, yeah, you're one with the earth. Like, you know, like you're, you're all these things at the same time, you know, we're, we're all 
carbon life form stardust and whatever you know i feel like it like the language is what reminded me like i don't know there's so much like culture and spirituality through the words like the language because the, the and i as i've said this before in other uh platforms and stuff but uh the language is not just like um itself you know the language is like not just what you're saying to each other it's like how you think feel and dream and it's it's alive as well you know so to me it's like it's informative of like who our people were so when we return to the way that our ancestors thought dream spoke whatever start speaking and thinking in our mother tongue how much closer will we be to them and their their ways of thinking you know that's what i feel like would be really indigenizing our uh, ways of thinking our ways of uh, taking leadership our ways of organizing and uh, all the all the work that we do today. How much better could it be when uh, we're all thinking and speaking in our mother tongue, you know, and then making better decisions for our people speaking uh, our mother tongue. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ruben. We really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, this has just been really wonderful to be able to talk with you. I am wondering if you would like to play us out. Is there a tune of yours we could end our program with? Uh, you should play my song, Dear My Future Son. The sky's the limit. That's what they told a fool. Don't be surprised if that's what they tell you in school. The standard education will fail to reach you. And your teachers will probably fail to teach you. But they're gonna point at you for the blame. You'll interpret their failure as your own shame. Their curriculum will misrepresent you. And your society will probably not accept you Sadly, that's just how it goes Bringing you into this world, it's a long road I was taught that we're expected to fail But I'ma raise you with this courage to prevail Many of our people are going uneducated Many of our people are getting incarcerated Alcohol addiction, they make us intoxicated And then they wonder why we're not motivated but they limit our access to knowledge Half of our students don't even finish through college Victim to a system that's against your success And the ones who can make it through truly are blessed It's cause we're brown boys, always had our dreams deferred Rather see me chained up, not in school to learn They continue to segregate and regulate Ruben Keto Stately, musician name Keto Can be found on everywhere <laughs> Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes uh, But um, has... The la his largest catalog is on SoundCloud. That was great hearing from him for sure. Like he might be our youngest interviewee, and just to see like somebody so committed committed to you know learning and teaching the language, it's uh, great to see. So miigwech to Ruben Keto Stately. Yes, Ruben Keto Stately comes from both Red Lake Nation and Santee Sioux Nation. He's a musician and recording artist and a Dakota language learner. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wapman. Giga Wapman. This historical trauma and the racism we face. Yo, we're carrying the burden, some can't handle the weight. But this won't be your reality. I'm changing your fate. Dear my future son, always follow your heart. I'ma raise you to be book and street smart. I said, dear my future son, always follow your dreams. Just the fact that you believe can't help you achieve. Your existence is a resistance to genocide. Just remember the revolution ain't televised. Drama's in your DNA, but so is strength. If you ever need my help.
help but come from any length Pursue your passion, never give up Because when life knocks you down, you just gotta get up It's called Dear My Future Son, but it's also for my daughter I wrote this in advance, cause I ain't even a father But I gotta change the world before I bring you in it I will never rest until my work is finished Love your world and all of the people in it Cause the sky might be the view, but I promise it ain't the limit Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.